Hey friends, happy Memorial Day. Welcome to Monday, May the 30th, and we are almost done with the month of May, starting a new week. Thank God for his presence and blessings in our church services yesterday as we continued through the Gospel of John. If you were not able to join us, find us online and catch up with us. We're loving this study through the Gospel of John. Jesus up close, it'll go live again on Monday Night Rewind at 7 o'clock tonight. So hope you're tracking with us. And welcome to Enough for Today for a new week. And we turn a big corner right now. We're in Psalm 49. So find your place in Psalm 49. And I want to commend you for making this a priority, this 10, 12 minutes every day, maybe eight, uh, depending on the day. Uh, Thank you for just journeying through the Psalms. It's good for your soul. It's good for my soul. And, uh, And we're not trying to be intriguing or necessarily entertaining. We're just trying to understand God's Word. And it is a great privilege to be able to take a few minutes and teach you God's Word as I learn it and as I let Him work in my life. Well, we began Psalm 49, and the first section of the psalm calls the attention of everybody on the planet, says, listen uh, to this meditation. I'm going to open a parable. I'm going to open up a dark saying. I'm going to unfold a riddle. You know what what he's really saying? You want the secret to life? Here it is. And he's going to contrast what we think is worthwhile in life. And that's all about material wealth, physical prosperity, uh, circumstantial prominence, achievement, things that we think secure us, things that are attractive, but they're temporal. They're fluid, they're changeable, they're fragile. And and things that we typically trust in, verse six, they that trust in their wealth. And he contrasts that. So a wealthy life contrasted with a redeemed life. A life that is really aimed at and focused on eternal values, eternal purposes, uh, living for eternal things. Now, here's the, here's the, if I could summarize this whole psalm in one sentence, it would be nothing matters unless you're redeemed. Outside of redemption, nothing really matters. It has no sustaining value, okay? But once you are redeemed, Everything has value, like every circumstance, every possession, every opportunity, every relationship, all of it comes into clarity, significance, purpose, meaning under uh, properly ordered under the, 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 the sovereign providence and lordship of Jesus Christ as my creator and my redeemer. Outside of that, all that happens is I accumulate a bunch of stuff that's going to corrupt me and then it's going to corrupt in itself and I'm going to die like all the other animals and I'm going to end up in the grave with no possibility of redemption and all the money in the world cannot buy my atonement with God and cannot buy me a relationship with God and cannot buy me eternal life. So all the money in the world, all the success and possessions in the world are going to fall away and leave me absolutely impoverished forever and ever and ever. And so it doesn't make sense, verse 6, to trust in wealth. So verse 6 is, is uh, what I keep referring to, but nobody can buy their redemption, verse 7, or their ransom, for redemption is priceless, it's precious. And once you're dead, it ceases. The opportunity for redemption ceases. Verse 9, um, the, 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 the product of redemption is living forever and not seeing any corruption ever. But um, those that trust their wealth will leave their wealth to others, even though inside of their hearts, verse um, 11, they think 
My life is going to go on forever. My possessions are going to go on forever. My family line, my lineage is going to go on forever. Uh, they name their lands after their own names, verse 11. Um, even in honor, even those with esteem and power and prominence and prestige, even honor doesn't preserve the soul, doesn't extend life. He is like the beasts that perish. Um, so it's folly. That word, verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 13, their way is folly, is stupid. Like that's a stupid way to live life. And so I'm here to tell you today, don't be stupid, okay? Um, their posterity approve of their sayings. Don't train the next generation that it's all about money and achievement and prestige and power. Don't train your children that it's all about that because that's stupid and you're teaching them to be stupid. You're teaching, you're handing off, you're handing forward a stupid life. Hey, it's, don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what the Bible means, okay? So the author of the psalm is saying, let me give you the secret to not living a stupid life. Uh, and I don't know about you, but like that really intrigues me. I don't want to go through life stupid. I want the secret. So he basically says in verse 14, everyone's going to be consumed. Everything is going to be consumed except your soul if it's redeemed. So that's where the psalm by the end of verse 14 seems so dark. Like your money, your possessions, your achievements, your 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 power, your prominence, it's all pointless because none of it can buy you salvation. Okay, so by the end of verse 14, the, the casual reader is now like leaning on the edge of a seat, leaning into this, this mystery, this intrigue, this tension, this riddle, this secret. Okay, then what's the secret? How, how do I escape this stupid folly? Well, look at verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. Now, I, minutes ago, like like five minutes before I started this video, I was on the phone with a friend who lives far away, who has cancer. And he was told this past week that without treatment, he had about six months to live. And with chemo treatment, which is difficult, um, maybe 18 to 24 months. But there really is no cure for his situation. So he's going to decline um, until he sees the Lord. We've known each other for decades. I love this man like I love a brother, a father, um, and a mentor. And my heart is grieved. We shared some sadness on the phone, but we shared some rejoicing on the phone. Why? Because his body is sick, but his real self can never decay. His real uh, essence, his true self, his true person is redeemed. And his trust is not in wealth. His trust is not in his material world. He did not, uh, I mean, decades and decades ago, this man gave his, his heart and soul to Jesus Christ, crowned him king and lord of his life, and said, I'm going to walk with you through this life. I'm going to live my life according to your purposes. And this man has been mightily, wonderfully used of God in many lives, but especially in mine. And I can tell you of, of many, 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 many weeks over years that this man and I, almost every week, were out making visits together and doing the work of God together. And I love him. And yet, he's not worried about where his soul is going. Why? Because he would say with me in verse 15, but God shall redeem my soul from the power 
of the grave, for he shall receive me, Selah. Now that word Selah means pause. Stop here and just think about this and let this sink in. And we're almost out of time for today. And so let me just drive it home. My friend, no matter what you have, if you don't have a Redeemer, you have nothing. But if you have a Redeemer, then you have everything, even though materially you may have nothing or very little. So it's a radical reversal. When you have Jesus as the Redeemer of your soul. By the way, there is no other Redeemer. There's none other name given among heaven, given among men, whereby you must be saved. You're either saved by Jesus or you can never be saved, okay? Jesus said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So religion says work hard to gain God's favor, and maybe one day he'll forgive you and take you to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you trust him by faith. It's a gift. Eternal life is a gift purchased by Jesus on the cross. Why did he have to go to the cross? For my sin, to atone for my crimes. He atoned for my crimes to get them out of the way so that my faith can come to God as a, as a fallen individual. I can come to him in, with nothing but faith, belief, trust. And I can say, God, I'm not trusting my wealth. I'm not trusting my religion. I am trusting Jesus. I'm trusting you to be my redeemer. I'm trusting your work on the cross to be my justification. And in that moment, redemption is promised. I am made a new creature in Christ. I am given a new birth and a new life. The Spirit of God comes into me. And I am redeemed, and I am awaiting now the ultimate fulfillment of that redemption, okay? I will one day, whether by the grave, through the grave to heaven, or by rapture of Jesus calling me home, one day he will receive me. On what basis will he receive me? Not my own goodness, but his. Why does Jesus, why is God able to delight in me? Because Jesus took my sin. So he's able to delight in me even though I'm imperfect and I'm a struggling believer. My belief is in him, to him, his greatest delight. And that belief makes me his redeemed child. And the promise is on me and on you if you've placed your faith in him that he will redeem your soul from the power of the grave. So maybe I'm talking to somebody right now that you are in the grips of, of a sickness that may take your life. Maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're having a hard time. Uh, maybe not. But the, the truth of the matter is you do not need to fear. You do not need to be afraid because God is your Redeemer. Now, is he, is he your Redeemer? That's the big question of the day. If you've never made Jesus your Redeemer, if you've never received by faith, uh, by the expression of trust, his gift of salvation, his gift of new life and forgiveness and redemption, then ask for it right now. He said to a woman in Samaria, if you ask me, I'll give you living water. So my friend, talk to him. Jesus, I believe you are God. I believe you came as the Redeemer, the Savior that God promised for centuries. I believe you are God in a body, human body, uh, visiting planet Earth to to rescue me. Jesus, I am trusting you. I'm going to stop trusting my riches. I'm going to stop trusting my religion or my morality or my own goodness. I'm going to stop thinking I can get myself 
into favor with you. I am going to tell you right now, you alone, I want you alone to be my Savior. I'm trusting you. I'm receiving you. I'm asking you to be my Redeemer. My friend, there is no greater prayer. God answers that prayer. He keeps his promise. And if you've claimed that prayer today, you can say with him, in verse 15, you can say with me and others, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. You can count on it. It's the promise of God, for he shall receive me. You'll never have to wonder again a day in your life, hey, where do I stand with God? And will he ever receive me? The fact is, once you're in Christ, you're received. Hey, if you've made that decision today or as a result of this video, email me. I want to rejoice with you. Pastor at ebcnewington.com. Pastor at ebcnewington.com. Can't wait to read your email. Email me even if you didn't make that decision today, just because I love to hear from you. Happy Monday. We'll see you tomorrow.